Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much, Lord, for the honor and privilege of being able to gather here in your house to lift up your name and to worship you, Father. As we open your word and as we continue on with the series of the Pioneer Spirit, Father, we ask that you are going before us and you are blazing a trail for us. Lord, that you are pointing us back to that old road. That you're walking alongside us on this journey. We pray, Lord, just as the Bible was meant to to be, to, to, to challenge us. We ask, Lord, that this message would challenge us to look at ourselves and to clear away the things that need to be cleared away, Father, so that we can see you clearly and that you are our ultimate focus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you into this place. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So I shared with uh, the last service that um, during worship I was worshiping with my eyes closed and then realized that I need to have my eyes open when I'm up here. So, so here we are. So we are in week three of the Pioneer Spirit. And last week we learned that the first characteristic of a pioneer is w- having a willingness to be different. And Pastor Steve said that pioneers must be willing to be different in order to make a difference. Pioneers have a different heart, a different attitude, and a different way of looking at the world. And today we're going to dive into the second characteristic of a pioneer, and that is having an uncommon commitment. Uncommon meaning not common or ordinarily encountered. And commitment by definition, the act of binding yourself intellectually or emotionally to a course of action. So there is uh, this pig and a hen sharing the same barnyard, and they heard about a church, church's pro- program to feed the hungry. The pig and the hen discussed how they could help. And the hen said, I've got it. We'll provide bacon and eggs for the church to feed the hungry. The pig thought about the suggestion and said, there's only one thing wrong with your bacon and eggs idea. For you, it only requires contribution, but from me, it will mean a total commitment. So I wanted you to think honestly for a moment about what you are committed to. Are you committed to your spouse or family? Maybe you're committed to a career or a business. Are you committed to a lifestyle or maybe even a hobby? In reality, we're all committed to, in various degrees, to a variety of things. But God wants us to be first and foremost and primarily committed to him. The question is, are we? See, commitment is an easy word to utter, but an incredibly difficult thing to live up to. Because we want a guarantee in return for our commitment. 
for us married couples and those that are in the process of, your marriage vows are a commitment to each other. That you will stand by each other for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and cherish till death you apart, right? You, did you stand up there and say, well, as long as the bad stuff doesn't happen, then I will? No, you didn't. Commitment doesn't always offer guarantees. Remember, commitment is binding yourself to a course of action. So there are three things that a pioneer with an uncommon commitment will have to blaze a trail in the wilderness, and they are pioneers are risk takers, they are bold, and they honor duty. They're risk takers, bold, and honor duty. So let's look at the first one. Pioneers are risk takers. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen, and he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is when Jesus was first calling the disciples. Follow me. These were the first words to the disciples. I read recently back in Jesus' time that Jews would study the Torah over their entire childhood in hopes of one day being selected by a rabbi to train under and eventually be a rabbi themselves. And at their coming-of-age celebration, a rabbi would come up to them and say, Follow me. And from that moment on, they would mimic every move and every word that rabbi said so that they would be a direct representation of their rabbi. Since all the disciples were working in their family occupation when Jesus found them, it meant that they had all been turned down by the local rabbis. And here Jesus comes and gives them a chance. These disciples that we just read about were risk takers. Those two words, follow me, were worth dropping everything to follow Jesus. They felt worth. They felt seen. And they were uncommon. And they were ready to make that commitment. They followed Jesus without promise, proof, or prejudice. We read later on in Matthew 16:24, Jesus told the disciples this that if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The disciples were willing to burst out of the shadows of their comfort zones and experience personal growth, God opportunities, and yes, even some miracles along the way. The cost of their uncommon commitment to follow Jesus was being willing to take the risk, even if it meant losing their life. They were willing to deny themselves a life that was predictable, remember they were fishing, to taking up their cross and not knowing what was ahead or where it would lead. 
maybe unto death for the cause. It was a sacrifice that Christ required, a sacrifice of their personal desires. All Jesus was asking was for simple devotion and a simple answer, yes or no. So doing the right thing, and, or in our world, the uncommon thing, sometimes requires risk-taking, and it isn't usually complicated. Sometimes costly, but not complicated. So I ask you, are you a risk-taker? Is God calling you out of the shadows to do something for him that you wouldn't normally do? Number two, pioneers are bold. Let's look back at Matthew sixteen twenty four. When Jesus was talking to the disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So by a show of hands, how many of us own a cross? Whether you wear it on a necklace, earrings, maybe even at home you have a couple of crosses. We, if we're a Christian, we probably have a cross, right? When Jesus said this, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me, it wasn't a suggestion, It was a call to boldness. He was saying, are you willing to lay it all down to follow me? See, to us, a cross symbolizes our freedom in Christ, our forgiveness of sins. But back in Jesus' time, a cross represented death saved for criminals who would carry their cross to the place of their execution. Think back to that. A cross was only understood as an instrument of death. And here, Jesus was calling them to pick up their cross daily. Meaning dying to your flesh, your fleshly desires daily. Not only was Christ going to suffer and be put to death, but he was also preparing his disciples to be ready for the same kind of treatment. His disciples would need to be willing to follow him even if it led to suffering, persecution, and ultimately death. So a quick story. Um, after this past Christmas, Trevor, Trevor's our um, office administrator, if you all don't know Trevor. Wave your hand, Trevor. Wave your hand, Trevor. That's Trevor back there. (laughs) We made a trip to the Costco in St. Cloud. And while we were there, we decided that at the beginning of the year, we would go on this bone broth diet or fast. You know, to just do a reset. You know how you do at the beginning of the year. You're I'm gonna I'm gonna work out, I'm gonna I'm gonna eat better. So we were there at the Costco and we decided that we would do this. Trevor had an end goal, but I was just along for the ride. So yes, I wanted to make some changes, but mostly I wanted to just support a friend. Um, Now, if you've ever been to a Costco or stepped foot into a Costco, you know that making a diet plan right in the middle of that place is not a good thing. With, you know, with the samples and everything. So, not the place, but there Trevor and I were making this commitment that for three days we were going to drink bone broth for lunch and supper and we would supplement with water. 
and just to make sure that we are getting what we need with electrolytes. Well, as the time got near for us to do this, remember, I'm just the friend that's supporting. I was getting a little nervous. <laughs> and I started asking all the, the questions like, just bone broth and water? That's all we're going to do? Can we have coffee? I asked. And, and Trevor said, no, you can't have coffee. And I was just like, no, coffee? What about sugar? He said, no sugar. And I'm like, no sugar? If you know me, I am a sucker for sweet tarts. And I had to give that up for like three days. And I have to be honest, in my desk drawer, I keep like a stash of sweet tarts in there just to carry me throughout the day. Everybody that's in the office knows this. Um, so shopping for groceries was hard. Um, Cooking supper for my family was going to be hard, but I told them that you're on your own for three days because I'm not going to step foot in the kitchen for you. So, you know, and after all of that, your nose works exceptionally well when you are on a fast or on a diet. It picks up things that you have gone nose blind to, good or bad. And so I tell you this story because in the midst of it, I would gripe and complain I would gripe and complain to Trevor, the bone broth is too bland. And he would be like, Cindy, just add some salt and pepper, some hot sauce. It'll, it'll be good. Um, I told him that I had to pinch my nose in order to drink the bone broth. Um, and then I told him this too. I said, it smells like my wet basset hound. I'm like, how can you drink this? Anyway, so all of that, what I come to realize looking back at this experience is that my fleshly desires were dying. And, the, my, and, and these complaints were them protesting. But you'll be happy to know that I did make it to the end. But Trevor, on the other hand, continued on this journey. Trevor could have gave in and followed my complaining spirit, but instead he took up his cross and died to his desires of having Burger King, when I would come in, he died to that. Or, hey, I'm going to go to Skindy's real quick. Do you need something from there? He didn't give in. He was committed. And he showed me that a pioneer requires action. A boldness to set your mind and focus on God and to tap into his strength. So me... I, I wasn't committed at all, and if anything, I was there for comic relief for him and just to cheer him on to victory. But if we look at leaders in the years past and decades past, we see a multitude willing to stand against the grain for what is right and not to succumb to the pressure of the crowd. I was the pressure. Just like the disciples, pioneers move forward willing without certainty to guarantee to embrace a future that is filled with hope but without promise. Dying daily to what we want and having a boldness to act and have an uncommon commitment is the fuel needed to continue on this journey and to continue on this journey as a church. Today as Christians, we know we know that God has a future ahead of us that is filled with hope and promise because Jesus, our Savior and Lord. A.W. Tozer was a powerful and controversial preacher, but 
was also very much respected for speaking the difficult truths of the word of God. And he spoke about how we cannot be biblical Christians if we accept Jesus as our Savior, but refuse him as Lord of our life. Jesus was given by God to us for both Savior and Lord. His death and resurrection make him Savior. His place at the right hand of God makes him our Lord. But unfortunately, too many teachers of the word of God have spoken of Jesus our Savior and have ignored the godly precept of Jesus as our Lord. Because we have divided Jesus in our teaching. Christians in America have divided Jesus in their minds and faith. And see, when we begin to do that, we begin to chip away at the foundation of the Christian church because we begin to separate ourselves from the cross. Church, are we ready? Are we ready to die to our fleshly desires? It may not be um, a diet or, or maybe it's a habit that needs to be broken. Are you ready to do that? Number three, pioneers honor duty. There are forces at work in our world, which whether we like it or not, it spells duty. As Christian pioneers, we have a duty to speak and to share the truth of God with the world around us. Amen? We have no call upon us to share our opinions. We are called to share truth, and in that duty, there is a responsibility to act, to do something There has been a culturally devastating shift in the ways that Americans communicate over the last couple of decades. And I'm not talking about text messaging, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, however you communicate. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the way that people and forces communicate in America today. The Bible gives us the Ten Commandments, which speak clearly on not murdering. Murder, the intentional ending of life of another. There is no question, argument, or debate on where God stands on the priority and the importance of human life. The same can be said for the clarity with which God speaks about human sexuality. But these issues have, been made, have made a huge shift in America's thinking. Suddenly what God says is less important even to Christians than what we believe or want to be true. We put a priority on our personal opinion and not on the truth of God as revealed to us in the Bible. So what powerful, wealthy, loud, and ungodly forces have done in America is to move these discussions from the realm of the Christian faith to where the supreme authority and final word is God himself, and they have instead reframed and reengaged them on a political stage so that now the ultimate authority is the will of the majority. They succeeded in moving Christians from the truth of God's word to the preference of your opinion. The move was subtle, but it was powerful. We are now seeing matters of faith that were clearly relayed to us as God's design being put to vote in public and has ignored and kicked out God. We need to wake up, church. There is a danger in denial And it wasn't too long ago that in another country, another powerful force moved God out of public life. 
and exerted fearsome force on the people. When Austria held a public vote and it went 98% in favor of joining Hitler's Third Reich, Hitler said this, How fortunate for us that the people choose to remain ignorant. There's an arrogance of godless leadership. America today is experiencing the same kind of corporate denial across our land. Why? Because we have removed any notion of a godly absolute truth in favor of moral and truthful relativism. Or in other words, denying the truth. See, one of the biggest disservices that teachers of God's word have done for their congregations and for the faith is that we have spent the last couple of decades teaching a feel-good, give-and-take gospel and not a biblically correct, radical gospel of commitment. You see, God didn't make a partial commitment to you. God went all in. When God asks for all of you, it's because he first offered all of himself. Jesus came to earth and lived as one of us. He taught, healed, and preached wonderful, life-changing lessons, but God didn't stop there. See, a lot of religions are identified by the life and teaching of a significant leader. But for God... Faith is about complete, total, and radical commitment. Are you ready, church? That is why he gave his only son, not just just simply live for you. He sent his only son to die for you. You want to talk about commitment? That, my friends, is commitment. Jesus died the most significant death of any human being, significant because his death was for you. Jesus was fully committed to God's call and God's cause. What about us, church? Are we? So let's make this personal. Do you live your life as a Christian in the comfort of a faith of your own design or do you live your life as a Christian against the tide of the world around you? Are you a faithful follower of the word of God or do you make it all about yourself and your opinions? Are you a part of the next generation of godly pioneers who will take back your families, your friends, your community for the kingdom of God? See, as a pioneering church, we should be more concerned with the advancing of the gospel than maintaining a position. As a pioneering church, we should be more concerned with making a difference than making it big. As a pioneering church, we should march to the beat of God's drum and sometimes hear a completely different song than the world. Are we ready I want you to understand, I'm not telling you what you must do or who you have to be. What I'm hoping to do is to give you an opportunity to think about who you could be, who you could become. See, being a pioneer, it's an opportunity. It's an invitation. It is a response to the call of duty. 
The kingdom of God is looking for pioneers in faith, and America is in need of godly pioneers. So I leave you with this. The creed of the U.S. seals includes this. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's long. I'll just pull out a couple of things. In times of war or uncertainty, there is a special breed of warrior ready to answer our nation's call. I lead by example in all situations. I will never quit. If knocked down, I will get back up every time. I am never out of the fight. My training is never complete. Church, as long as there is breath in our lungs, we are not done fighting. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time in your word. We thank you so much that you blazed that trail, first and foremost. That you called the disciples when no one else would. They were uncommon. And Father, we sit here today looking at that example of those first pioneers. We ask, Father, that you would help us. to continue looking in your word, to continue gathering around a community of believers who will keep us on this path to you, Father. Father, we ask that you would be in and through this place as people are making decisions to come back to you, Father, or making decisions to accept you as Lord of their life for the first time. Father, we ask that you would just help us to live your word out in every situation that we are in, Father. That we would continue to look to you, Father, to lead us back to the old road that you have paved so long ago. We love you, Father, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. So the last thoughts. As a church... God has set us all on this course of becoming a pioneer. Is he calling you up in the ranks for such a time as this? In your realm of influence, is your uncommon commitment calling you to take a risk and to be bold enough to take up your cross and answer the call to honor duty? Taking that next step of an uncommon commitment is sometimes costly but not complicated. I want you to think about that this week. What is God calling you to do that you wouldn't normally do? Let's move forward with Christ. Amen.